the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. We have this treasure in jars of clay that we might show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. When he steps back, he wants to see if we're going to say, you know what? The reason for the success, the reason for the accomplishment, the reason for the marriage, the reason for the perseverance to adversity, whatever the case may be, the reason is because God is gracious to me. I serve a good God, and I give him all the glory. You steal the glory from God, my friends. Learn from the lesson of Hezekiah. It does not go well. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Kings. Maybe at this point in your life, you're so surrounded by God's blessing and provision that it's difficult to imagine you've gone wrong somewhere. Well, in today's teaching, Pastor Gary shares how this is exactly what happened at the end of King Hezekiah's life. He became so prideful in his success that he failed to give God the glory. We're all prone to pride. When success shines on us, it's so easy to accept all the compliments and congratulations. But this is a deadly pitfall. God deserves all the glory for the good things in your life. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message titled, Don't Be So Full of Yourself. Second Chronicles 29 is also another commentary about Hezekiah's life and his reign. And in 2 Chronicles 29, it tells us that in the first month of Hezekiah's reign, he's 25 years old, first month of his reign, he does three things. He reopens the temple of God. He then recalls the priests and the Levites, and he reestablishes the sacrifices, the offerings, and the tithes. Now, why would he have to do that? Because his dad, King Ahaz, had nailed the temple doors shut. We don't need to go to the house of God. There's no reason to go to church. We don't need to do any of that. You know, we can find God anywhere. We can commune with God anywhere. You ever heard that one? You need to be in the fellowship, right? You need to worship the Lord. It's a good thing. It's nothing sacred about the building, but it's the place where believers come together and in unison they worship God and they learn together. It's a good thing. Ahaz had nailed the doors of the temple shut. Hezekiah's father said to the priest, might as well go home, eat some Twinkies. We don't need you anymore. We've closed up the church. And then he stopped all the sacrifices. Hezekiah says, no, 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 no. Dad didn't do right here. Opens up the temple. Recalls all the priests. Come back. Get cleansed. Get purified. You're on duty here. 
And then he also reestablishes the sacrifices and the offerings, and they begin to worship the Lord again. Here's what Hezekiah understood, and this is important for us to get as well. It was not simply enough to stop doing what was wrong. Okay, we're going to break down the idols, we're going to smash the sacred stones, we're going to deal with all that. That's good. It's not just enough to stop doing what was wrong. You have to start doing what's right. You see, when we just simply stop doing what is wrong, we create a vacuum. And those wrong things are going to want to rush back with a vengeance. So what we have to do is replace the wrong things with the right things. The absence of evil is not the guarantee of good. We have to pursue righteousness and we have to be intentional about it. So hear me on this. It's not enough just simply to stop looking at pornography. Start looking at the Bible. Start reading the Bible. Start putting your eyes somewhere else. It's not enough just to simply stop gossiping. That's good. Stop that. But start speaking well of people. It's not enough to just stop gambling. That's good. But start being generous with the money that God gave you. Replace those bad things with good things. Bring in, usher in, pursue righteousness. This is what Hezekiah realized. It's not enough just to stop all the bad stuff. We've got to bring in the right stuff. We've got to pursue righteousness. We've got to seek God. We've got to grow closer to Him. We've got to start to worship Him again. And Hezekiah learned something that I wish our own leaders of our own country would learn. He understood moral strength brings mighty nations strength if you're moral you're mighty he opted for moral prowess more than he did military strength he wanted the strength of a moral nation because he understood what psalm 33 verse 12 says that blessed is the nation whose god is the lord he understood what proverbs 14:34 says righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a disgrace to any people and he recognized that a moral nation is a mighty nation and we've got to seek the lord more than we do our own strength because if we seek the lord first then he will be the strength of our lives and of our nation and so he was a man of principle and he ushered in reform and revival but secondly we see also in the bible that he was a man of projects this guy did some things well and he did it with the strength of the lord in chapter 20, verse 20, if you'll take a glance with me into chapter 20, verse 20. In chapter 20, verse 20, it says, As for the other events of Hezekiah's reign, all his achievements, and how he made the pool, that's a reference to the pool of Siloam, and the tunnel, and that tunnel bears his name today, Hezekiah's tunnel, by which he brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah. So Hezekiah was known for doing a few things, and the thing that he's most famous for is the tunnel that bears his name, Hezekiah's tunnel. Now here's why he did it. The fresh water source for the city of Jerusalem was outside the city walls, the spring of Gihon, just on the other side of the city walls. And what he wanted to do was to bring the water source into the city within the walls, because if an enemy nation came to besiege Jerusalem, which they would, you want to have your fresh water supply within the city walls. And so what he did was he diverted the fresh water, the spring of Gihon, into the city. But here's how he had to do it. He had to hew out a long tunnel through solid bedrock. Now, when the Babylonians would come later and besiege the city of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., from 586 B.C. onward, we never knew where Hezekiah's tunnel was. We read about it in the Bible, but nobody knew where it was. 1838, it was discovered. 
And when they discovered it, they realized this was an amazing feat of brilliant engineer ability that still boggles the mind today. Because what Hezekiah ordered to be done was, to, in order to divert the fresh water from the spring of Gihon into the city, they had to burrow under the wall through solid bedrock, divert the water, and then cover up the original source so that it would all come now into the city, into the pool of Siloam that he built. And in order to do this, they had to take pickaxes back in the day, pretty crude methods that they had, no modern tools that we have today. And they started at two opposite ends, 1,750 feet through solid bedrock with pickaxes. Workers made their way through until they connected in the middle. We still don't know how they met, but they did do something that was brilliant. And this had to be just by inspiration of the Lord. You know, if you start at two different ends, 1,750 feet apart, and you're 60 feet underground, and you're coming from two opposite ends, it's pretty hard to go in straight lines and to meet in the middle. Very easy to miss each other. What they did was they started at both ends, and they went slightly zigzag, so that by the time they would cross somewhere in the middle, the zigzag motion helped to bring them to bridge both ends together. 1,750 feet long, an average of two feet wide, six feet high. And water today still rushes through Hezekiah's tunnel. It's one of the places we visit on our time to Israel. In fact, some of you years ago were with me, 2008, on our trip through Hezekiah's tunnel, and we got stuck. We got stuck halfway in. Here's how it happened. Hezekiah's tunnel is something that tourists, I mean, you're constantly supposed to just be walking through straight. Normally, there's hundreds of people. You're just single file all the way through. Remember, average width, two feet. It's narrow. Six feet, okay, that's all. In some places, it's like four feet. You got to bend down as you're walking through. And so what happened is, as there's hundreds of people, now we're halfway in through the tunnel. We're 60 feet underground, solid bedrock. The group in front of us, God bless them. And there's a group behind us, all right? The group in front of us, God bless them. I don't know where they were from, but in their native tongue, they decided to stop and have a worship service. They stopped for a half an hour. A half an hour. And let me tell you, they didn't understand English either. They didn't understand English because we were like, move it. You know, and they, (laughs) Jesus loves you, but move it. He can hear you worship as you walk. You know, they didn't hear any of that. So anyway, I'm convinced they were singing. I don't know the language, but I'm convinced they were singing. This is the air I breathe. (laughs) This is the air I breathe. All right, already. I can't breathe any air. We're 60 feet under the ground. Let's move. And we had a group behind us, so we couldn't turn around. You can't even really shimmy enough to turn around. You're in one direction. We're stuck here a half an hour. People found Jesus in a big way. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Crying out to Jesus, man, people are getting saved. Anyway, Jesus loves you. Move it. Um, That was our experience. And listen, here we are 2,500 years later, and we're still talking about Hezekiah's tunnel. It was one of the projects he was known for. But thirdly, he was also known as a man of prayer. He was somebody who prayed, and there are a few recorded prayers of Hezekiah. One is found here in chapter 18. Let me draw your attention actually to chapter 19. What happens in chapter 18 is that Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrians, this is a new king now of Assyria, he tries to do to the southern kingdom what his predecessor did to the northern kingdom. Sennacherib comes to besiege the city of Jerusalem. And on his way there, he lays waste many villages and cities on his way to Jerusalem. And Hezekiah sees this and knows what is happening. And Hezekiah does a very foolish thing. He thinks that he can pay off Sennacherib 
he goes into the temple of the Lord. He takes silver and gold from the treasury of God. And that isn't enough. So listen to what he does. The Bible says he strips the gold off the walls and the doors of the temple. And he gives it to Sennacherib. You know how much he gave him? Bible says, translate in modern terms, 11 tons of silver, one ton of gold. That's how much he gives him. Street value today, over $35 million. He tries to pay him off. Don't come attack us. Let me give you this money. What he doesn't realize, I wish our leaders would learn this one too, you can't negotiate with the terrorist. You can't sit and just have dialogue. There's no diplomacy with a madman. And so as a result, Sennacherib still... You know, he's appeased for a moment, but Hezekiah realizes he did a foolish thing. And when he realizes it, this is what he does. He prays. In chapter 19, his prayer is recorded here, verses 14 to 19. Verse 14 says, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers. Now, this is Sennacherib had sent a threatening letter by way of the messengers, even after he'd given him all this money. He received a letter from the messengers and read it. And then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. For they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from his hands so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. And the Bible says that in response to his prayer, God sends one angel, the rest of the chapter, one angel to destroy the Assyrian army. 185,000 Assyrian soldiers die in their sleep that night. All because a man pled with God and pleaded with the Lord. Now, God had allowed the Assyrians to besiege the northern kingdom as the rod of his discipline. God did not call the Assyrians to come and besiege Judah. They did it of their own flesh. And God, in defense of his people, brought victory to his people and death to the Assyrians. But probably the biggest prayer that Hezekiah is known for is the prayer for his own life. Because the Bible says in chapter 20 that he is stricken with an illness and he's 39 years of age. And the illness is so bad. The Bible says that he has a boil. And, you know, typically boils aren't life-threatening. But in this case, what it tells us is probably the infection has seeped through his system and now his body is septic. Because the prophet Isaiah goes to Hezekiah at the beginning of chapter 20 and he says to him, the Lord says to you, get your house in order, you're going to die. Get your house in order, you're going to die. And in chapter 20, Hezekiah prays two verses. Look at verse 2 and 3. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He was just told that the disease he has is fatal. And what does he do? He turns, he's on his bed, he just turns to the wall and he just weeps and he just cries. And he just simply says, Lord, I've tried to honor you all my life. Please just remember me. And God in his grace calls Isaiah the prophet, go back and say to Hezekiah, he will not die right now. And God extends his life 15 years. Now it's interesting because in the story, God tells Isaiah, here's the medical remedy. I want you to fashion a poultice of figs. 
basically a compress of smashed figs and put it on the boil. Now, it's interesting. That was the method that God used to heal Hezekiah. And I mention that because I think it's important for us to realize, you know, I'm not suggesting if you have a pimple, go home, put a fig newton on it. That's not the solution. All right. I don't know. Maybe that would work. I don't know. But what I am saying is that, look, don't discount the natural medical remedies that God uses sometimes to accomplish his miraculous healing in your body. I'm thankful for the doctors and the nurses in the house because we don't discount medicine. We can see how sometimes God will use natural remedies to accomplish miraculous results as he did in the life here of Hezekiah. But now this is where Hezekiah stumbles. Okay, He's a man of principle. We should be people of principle. We should deal with the sinful things in our lives and replace it with a pursuit of righteousness. Emulate him in this way. He's a man of projects. We should work hard, have a strong work ethic, okay? Accomplish and achieve things, but do it for the glory of God and be sure that God always gets the credit for it because he's given you the talents and the abilities and the giftings to accomplish and to achieve. So do it for his glory. And let us be people of prayer as well. I've never met a person in my life who says, you know, I've just really got to cut back on prayer. It's really stealing away a lot of my time from more important things. No, everybody would agree I don't pray enough. We need to be people of prayer. But here's where he stumbles. After he's healed in this wonderful, miraculous ways, some people from Babylon come to inquire about it. And it's recorded here in chapter 20. Let me draw your attention again here in chapter 20, verse 12 to 19. Here's the story. At that time, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of Hezekiah's illness. Hezekiah received the messengers and showed them, now notice I'm going to emphasize some words here, showed them all that was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the fine oil, his armory, and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. And then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, What did those men say, and where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied, they came from Babylon. The prophet asked, what did they see in your palace? Well, they saw everything in my, my palace, Hezekiah said. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. And then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood that will be born to you will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And notice his response. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? That's a bizarre answer. Let me tell you what's going on here. Hezekiah miraculously recovers from this illness. Word spreads. God has done a miraculous thing. People of Babylon come. The king sends a hallmark card and gifts through way of messengers. These messengers come to King Hezekiah. Hey, we heard some miracle happened. You were sick. Now you've recovered. Here's a card for you. Here's some gifts. This is wonderful. Tell us a little bit about that. And what does Hezekiah do? Instead of telling him about what God had done, he begins to showboat. Well, let me just show you all my silver, my gold, my treasures, my armory, my palace, that I mention all these things that I've done. Isaiah hears about this. The word of the Lord comes to him. Who are these people? They're from Babylon. What do they want to see? 
Well, I just showed them all my stuff. There wasn't anything of my stuff I didn't show them. Isaiah says, that was a foolish thing. In essence, what Isaiah says to him is, you stole the glory from God. You made yourself the object instead of God getting the credit. And so as a result, here's what God says to you. All the things that you possess, that you think you've gained yourself because of your own skill, is now going to go into the hands of the very people that you've just entertained. The Babylonians will come, not right now, Isaiah says. They'll end up coming about 115 years later. The Babylonians will come. They will besiege Jerusalem. They will haul everything off, even some of your descendants. And some of your own descendants will be made eunuchs in the king of the Babylonian court. And Hezekiah's answer is, well, what you've said is good because that means at least it won't happen in my lifetime. That's his answer. After all that God did for him, that's his answer. And here's what he did wrong. Among the three things that he did so well, what he did wrong was he was also a man of pride. The theme of pride is a predominant theme throughout the Bible. Why? Because all of us, some way, some shape, some form, have to deal with the issue of pride in our own lives. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, you don't need to turn. In verse 25, it says, But Hezekiah's heart was proud, and he did not respond to the kindness shown him. And it tells us in 2 Chronicles 32, 31, listen, it says, But when the envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign that had occurred in the land, it says this, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. Here's what the Bible says to us. When these people come from Babylon to inquire of King Hezekiah, what happened? Give us the details. The Bible says that God stepped back to see how Hezekiah would answer the question. And when God stepped back, Hezekiah failed the test because he did not give credit to where credit was due. He took it for himself. He did so many things right, but there was one thing here that he did so wrong. He was a man of pride. Listen to me on this, folks. If you're a follower of Christ, your very life is going to be an example to people, and people are going to ask you questions. They will. They're going to ask you about whatever. Maybe your healing. Maybe they'll ask you about your marriage. Maybe they'll ask you about your accomplishments. How did that happen? How come you have such a great marriage? How come you made such achievements? How come you got that promotion? They might ask you things about real life. How can you have such peace when everything is going on crazy in your life? How can you have such perseverance through adversity? They will ask questions. And God's going to step back. And he's going to see how we answer those questions. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, We have this treasure in jars of clay that we might show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. When he steps back, he wants to see if we're going to say, you know what? The reason for the success, the reason for the accomplishment, the reason for the marriage, the reason for the perseverance to adversity, whatever the case may be, the reason is because God is gracious to me. I serve a good God and I give him all the glory. You steal the glory from God, my friends. Learn from the lesson of Hezekiah. It does not go well. The Bible says in Psalm 115, verse 1, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be all the glory because of your love and faithfulness. May we learn from the three things he did right. That summarizes the many things he did right. But may we also be cautioned and warned about the one area of pride that has the potential 
to ruin any of us and to rob God of the rightful glory that he is due. We're glad you joined us today as we follow Israel's tumultuous history in the book of 2 Kings. We continue to discover important passages such as Elijah passing on the mantle of prophecy and leadership to Elisha and see God continue mighty works through his prophet. Great and wondrous signs were done in this time, and yet the kings of Israel and Judah did not do right in the eyes of the Lord. Their disobedience has resulted in invasion, defeat, and exile. Even there, God showed up, remaining faithful to his people and not allowing them to be completely destroyed. We love walking through the story of God's people with you and would love to connect with you even more. We meet together every Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. But if you can't join us there, feel free to sign up for our podcast or download our mobile app. You'll find links to both of these online at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also find additional resources to help you in your own study of the Word, as well as more information about Cornerstone Connection. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you tune in again as Pastor Gary continues to teach through 2 Kings on the next edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not a Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.